Welcome everyone back to another edition of Cleve and Me, but before we even start, happy birthday to you. Yes, Mr. Cleve just had a birthday uh, in the last couple of days. He is getting as old as me now, um, which for those of you who don't know us, we are now only one year apart, so you know he can't even play the old balls card at that point. Um, so before we bring in tones here, Mr. Cleve, happy belated birthday. I know you got a couple off days here before you hit Shy City and come join the ones before Hell in a Cell. Thank you. Thank you very much. I am very excited for this weekend. I'm literally work one more day tomorrow and then I am off this entire weekend. I'm pumped to see a lot of people I know is coming and I'm ready to talk shit with Tampa Tones tonight. I'm ready to why why, why can't we Tones? Why does why does he have to start like with a comment like that? I mean, when people hate, they're gonna hate, all right. And Cleve is one of those guys who he'll he'll tiptoe around all day and act like he'll, he'll act like he's on his good behavior. And the next thing you know, you're on the podcast, and he's like a snapping turtle. I mean, these kids these days, you, you don't know how to treat him, you don't know how to talk to him. But it's cool, man. We'll, I'll dice him up as I usually do. We'll put him in the toaster, and uh, yeah, we'll get going on this podcast. Happy birthday, by the way, Cleve. You know, thank, couldn't, thank, couldn't thank, quite thank, put that in there, man. Oh, that is too funny. That is too funny. But Cleve, um, you know, all jokes aside, it's going to be great to have a fight last final weekend before you, you know, take care of a few things and move on to a new thing. I'll be moving into a new crib. So this is going to be a great weekend for the boys to get together, celebrate Tampa Tones Ladies B-Day, celebrate Cleves B-Day, you know, and just have a grand old weekend and cap it off with hell in a cell. And one point I wanted to get to both of you before we get into our double or AEW double or nothing thoughts. But since I brought up Hell in a Cell, I want to start with it. I was like, man, you know what? I'm kind of disappointed we're not getting two Hell in a Cell matches. But then I thought about this. Usually, you know, just because it's the name of a pay-per-view, you want it to be your main event, but you don't always need it in a plethora of matches because you don't know if the stars will step up to the challenge. Now, Based off the storylines right now, besides the woman's triple threat, really the only match that deserves Hell in a Cell worthy, in my opinion, almost is uh, Mr. Seth Rollins and Cody Rhodes, who will be main eventing. I thought last Monday and Raw, they did a great job of, you know, Rollins attacked him. He said, you can't hit the throne in AEW and then think you can just come here and be the top guy. Now, he didn't say AEW, obviously, but we all knew the reference. That being said, they went on the brawl. Security was getting in the way and all that good stuff. Tones, your thought first. We do have a handicap match. We do have a triple threat, but and we do actually have the USA title match now in the picture. One hell in a cell. Do you like that? Not like it? Don't feel strong either way on that. For the Rhodes-Rollins match? <laughs> and us just having one hell in a cell match, yes. Oh, I think it totally defeats the purpose in the pay-per-view if we're only getting one Hell in a Cell match. I think WWE is doing a disservice to their fans by even calling this Hell in a Cell if you're only going to have one Hell in a Cell match. And honestly, it pisses me off paying as much money as we paid to only be getting one Hell in a Cell match. I might as well have paid a third of the dollar and went to a Monday Night Raw or Friday Night SmackDown and gotten just as good as quality. This is not a good look for the WWE. It's honestly really bad, in my opinion. 
And yeah, it, you know, the, I guess the card's not final yet because we got a SmackDown. But to me, it looks like all signs will be going um, that route. Mr. Clee, before we go on to AEW Double or Nothing thoughts, uh, what do you think about... Obviously, we get Cody and Seth, which we can all agree is great, but we're only getting one. You know what? I have to yeah. agree with Tampa Tons right here. And I have to, I'll go even a step further. I think the moment when they started, when they started naming pay-per-views after special matches, I think that's when it really started taking the importance away from a match. I remember when the Hell in a Cell, even Ruthless Aggression Attitude Era, you were it was just on a pay-per-view. It wasn't the entire pay-per-view called Hell Same in with Cell. Chamber. Same with Chamber. Same with Money in the Bank. I used to look forward to every year that one Money in the Bank match. It was so special. Now you get a pay-per-view of it. Even though you only get two, it just still defeats the purpose of naming something like, you know, Hell in a Cell and only getting one. Now, the plus side is this is going to be a good Hell in a Cell match because this is a trilogy between the guys. I think we might get a lot of blood, too. I think we might. That, I think that would be the only way to make up for it because right now there are only six matches on the card, which sums up to me by name at the moment. WWE is currently in their offseason. Yeah, and, you know, you guys bring up a couple of good points there. And I, I say, I'll say one thing. I know when we walk in, since I we I don't think any of us have ever been to one, but just seeing that sell at the top, it's going to be a little bit uh, chilling. So hopefully they do add in a second match. If not, um, there is, you know, there is some just not one-on-one match. You have the two-on-one handicap. We got the triple threat. We got the three-on-three between Judgment Day. But we're looking for one Hell in a Cell match. Maybe SmackDown will give it to us. It is an all-raw card right now, um, by the way, when you look at it. Um, so that feels like the old days. I remember when they used to switch off, the, actually, the pay-per-views. Raw would be one, then SmackDown. Uh, just a few years back, uh, not too far off. But that being said, I'm going to start it off here. What I want to do with AEW topics is this. I'm going to start with one. We're going to poise our thoughts uh, from anything in the pay-per-view. Tones is going to do the same, and then Cleve. And then we're going to give Tones uh, one extra one because uh, we're going to do one more at the end. So, Two things from Tones, one each from me and Cleveland. We'll discuss it. And I'm going to start here. I'm very, very, very intrigued. MJF, they said, will start off AEW tonight. I'm very intrigued, and I have been by this storyline because I've always, um, you know, followed this man in his in his commentary and where it takes him because he's a little off the wall. He has that uh, ego that, like many do. And on Sunday, which, by the way, AEW, or nothing, I give it a 9 out of 10. It was a hell of a pay-per-view. Kudos to the 5-on-5 five five match with all that blood. Um, a lot of good tag matches. Women's matches, were in it, but the men's matches, um, except for, I want to say, Ruby Soho and uh, um, Britt Baker was amazing. But outside of that, uh, the only negative I really gave were the couple women's championship matches. I thought all the men's matches lived up to it for the most part, and I, it was a good pay-per-view with some returns, um, not to mention. So we, that might be brought up in a bit. I'll leave that as a little surprise for those who haven't seen it right now. But getting back to MJF, he didn't go, you know, to the you know to the signing to the day before where you meet and greet, do all that in AEW. He had a plane, you know, that didn't leave its port. Everyone was tracking it. Uh, all the top wrestling news guys, and sure enough, though, he shows up Sunday. The first match of the actual card is him versus Wardlow. 
If Warlow wins, he's an AEW member. If he loses, he is gone. He did 10 power bombs. Yes, 10 power bombs to MJF. Put him in a stretcher and shoveled him off. And Warlow was beyond excited. The fans gave a great ovation for him. Uh, I don't really... Have, I, I just wanted to set the scene because I kind of want uh, tones and cleave your guys' opinions. I don't know where it's going to go from here. If, if if the little chance this is a work and how MJF is going to, you know, maybe he's the next one to go up against Punk. Maybe he is, you know, on his way out the door. Maybe he's just throwing a hissy fit, but will never leave. I don't know. A lot developed over the weekend, though, from his crushing loss to his missed meet and greet to now starting off AEW in about 42 minutes. Tones. All that being said, and everything we've seen from Twitter over the past couple of weeks and his interviews, where do you stand on MJF and what will happen and what you think about him um, and what you like and dislike about his character now? Well, I, I was going to save it for the damn report. I had some news on that, but I'll, I'll share it now. Um, we do have some news on MJF, and it sounds like He's not going anywhere anytime soon at all, as Tony Khan reveals that he's been a huge part of the success of the company, and he's signed here for a long time. It's 2022, and 2024 is a long, long way away via the corner. That's Tony Khan on MJF, so that pretty much says it right there, folks. He's under contract for 18 more months, which means he will be a part of AEW for at least 18 more months. Now it'll be interesting to see how he handles himself, how AEW handles him. Obviously, no one really thought he was going to win at the pay-per-view because that would have meant the termination of Wardlow from AEW. Um, now people thought a better match, maybe perhaps people thought it would have been a better match, and maybe MJF would have gotten that better match if his attitude was a little better. My guess is what transpired over this weekend is honestly, I think Khan and MJF had a business to business talk. They realize they're kind of stuck for the next 18 months and uh, they're going to go from here and see if they could rekindle that relationship. Tony Khan knows that MJF has been a big success or part of AEW's success to this point. MJF, on the other hand, he's still kind of a small fish in the big market of wrestling. Um, he, he has a, a long way to go to establish himself as an everyday top star. I highly suggest he takes a courteous and respectful road as he's still a young pup. And at 2024, if he wants to jump promotions, I think that's great. But right now he has to check himself. He has to realize who he is. Not that I agree with Sasha or Naomi either, but at least they're established stars in the industry, right? If they did leave WWE, they'd be snatched up in a second, whether it's an AEW, whether it's an Impact, this or that. With the way MJF is handling himself right now, would he be snatched up right away? Sure. But at that point, it's almost an Antonio Brown-type situation where at any given moment, he could have a blow-up and it could look bad on the company. So um, I, I think he really has to look himself in the eyes and say, if I'm really not happy, it's only 18 more months of this, and then I'm free to go where he wants. This is a pivotal point in MJF's career. Yeah, and like we mentioned last week in terms we talked about long before that, let's keep it easy. Let's just trade Sasha for MJF straight up, move on, and uh, WW, Vince gets his new toy, and then Sasha goes becomes the best wrestler in AEW, women's-wise, most likely. So let, let's just do it and call it a day. Uh, all jokes aside, Cleveland, your thoughts on the situation and uh, – what you heard from Tones and I, what are your current and latest MJF thoughts? In my honest opinion, I think they should just let him go. 
I just I don't think their relationship is gonna improve. I know a lot of us thought this was a storyline, but this seems like this is a, a real situation between Tony Khan and MJF. Um, I read somewhere that he has a problem with certain people making more money than him. I, I think that can also make a person not want to be there. It seems that Tony Khan wants to hang on to him. I, in my personal opinion, I think losing Cody Rhodes in MJF in the same year will be a bad look on AEW. So I think he wants to hold on to MJF, but I just don't think their relationship will improve between now and when his contract is up. I think if you can save yourself so much pro- so, many, so much problems in the backstage area by just letting him go. And WWE like will will snatch him up in a heartbeat. Yeah, and yeah. like like Tone said though, we all know he's locked into that 2024 date unless he pulls a Sasha and Naomi where they're still locked in. So it really doesn't make a difference, I guess, at day's end unless AEW decides to pull that trigger, which would be a really poor move because at the end of the day, you got to at least have a backbone and tell them, "Yo, I'm JF. I don't care where your potential may go or how good you are." But just like just like our guests coming up, go ahead, Cleef. So I got a question. So let's just say the relationship doesn't improve. Does AW just you know send them out there and just get beat up every week? As a, I don't know if you guys remember what they did with Dean Ambrose before his contract was up, but they was having those ridiculous storylines of Nia Jackson was beating them up. Like you know, will AW go that route if if MJ just doesn't approve the relationship? I don't think so. It's bad business, and I, I don't think they'll go that route. Um, I think Tony Khan is a businessman, and, you, you know, he's an honest one, and sometimes he comes off as an asshole, but at the end of the day, he knows bad business from good business. I, I, I don't think he'll do that. Yeah, and I, I agree. I don't think he's the smartest man or near Vince McMahon's level. Because Man, he, he had a post-interview of CM Punk where he was just saying some foolish crap. It was making, he does make me laugh, but I think he, he – and, you know, he's been so successful. He knows the businesses. He won't do anything that's bad for business. If, he, if anything, he might say some goofy things, but everything he does is always with the right intent for AEW to keep growing. Um, and we'll see if they can, and he can continue to do so. Uh, we actually have a guest coming up in a few minutes. Uh, our guy from, you know, our Sunday show, armchair quarterbacks. He's going to, he's been commenting on our Twitter actually. Uh, Mr. Sean O'Toole will be on and I'm pretty look at, much looking forward to that. And on Twitter, he's commented on a couple things recently. I'm trying to find it for the, for those who follow at Cleve and me, um, if you've been noticing lately, a Shawnee Pat in the hat, uh, he's been a big commenter. He's had some things he wanted to talk about. I know he saw Double or Nothing and will watch on a cell. So interested to get his thoughts there. Before any of that and before we keep on going, because we can keep going with these stories, Tones, would you, instead of giving you a thing right now, I almost think it's time for the damn report. Yeah, let's go. Let's, let's get into the Damn report, and I'll start it off here. Uh, someone's got some bad echo in their background, but uh, we here it's, we go. I had it, yeah, God. First off, a little bit of actually, I'm just starting with a funny football one. As you people know, the match is on right now, and it, it's a tag team golf match between football superstars, so we could tie in wrestling. It's Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers against Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. Josh Allen showed up with the golf ball of Tom Brady in his combine tee looking like a little shrink dink. 
30 minutes later, Tom Brady comes back with the golf ball with the Lombardi trophy on it, walks up to Josh Allen and says, hey, Josh, have you ever seen one of these? I just got a pretty good laugh out of that as the match is underway right now on TNT. As we get into wrestling news, AEW news, Jungle Boy, a little upset that he was left off a poster that features all other AEW champions on it right now. Jungle Boy is a tag team champion. The WWE on A&E return date has been revealed. As you guys know, WWE does some good documentary work and other things on A&E, and they announced that starting this summer, uh, Sunday, July 10th at 8 Eastern, A&E Network and WWE, too many letters, are bringing the WWE Universe into the ring with nine weeks of all-new programming featuring intimate looks into the lives and careers of some of the WWE's most iconic legends. News from Tampa, Corey Hayes on Twitter announces that wrestling is in his future and he is going to get into the ring perhaps. So we have Corey Hayes perhaps getting into wrestling. Wrestle Talk reports, if you were trying to think of a name for the trio of CM Punk and Fight the Revival, an AEW star has dubbed them the nickname the Bret Hart Weirdos. So sounds like we got some beef brewing with AEW over there. As we said already, MJF is going to appear live tonight. It sounds like WWE's next new big female signing has been announced. Bellator MMA fighter Valerie Lareda expects to sign with the WWE, so WWE gets them a Bellator women's fighter, a very good one and a uh, nice-looking one at that, may I add. Uh, former WWE star set for AEW Dynamite return, guys. we got a big one brewing here. John Morrison is returning to AEW. I love John Morrison, and I'm pretty excited he'll be in AEW. He'll be known as Johnny Elite, perhaps, it sounds like. WWE is proud to celebrate in honor of 25 years of Michael Cole, they announced this morning. So Michael Cole has been with the WWE for 25 years, bringing the heat. Joey and I talked a little bit about this before the show, and we've been bringing it up on Damn Reports for a good bit now. Tammy Sunny Stitch pleads not guilty to not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six, not seven, not eight, but nine different charges and fatal car crash carmelo hayes if Shawn michaels is a father figure to me mvp is a cool uncle wwe to partner on two hour documentary with the nature boy rick flair so i think that'll be pretty cool aw will reportedly change part of wardlow's presentation coming up after his big win so we'll see how he looks perhaps wwe hall of famer nikki bella Announced for Nickelodeon's Slime Cup. The Slime Cup is one thing Nickelodeon does with slime and kids and all that good stuff. WWE announces June is John Cena month. I know, Joey, uh, make sure you can see your hands over there, Joey, while we (laughs) talk about that. Um, Wrestling Resource is here to confirm WWE teases the return of Tian Sha character during Zia Lee video. CM Punk Championship t-shirts are now available on AEW Shop. AEW star is um, trademarked a ring name. So Diamante, real name Priscilla Zuninga, has locked down her name of Diamante. She'll permanently be known as that moving forward. 
WWE Raw had one of its smallest audiences in person ever this past Monday, but still had the second highest ratings on television Monday night as they had a battle with the holiday. Lana teases her return tonight for AEW. So as you guys know, tonight's a big night for AEW. Um, you know, it's kind of like the post-mania Raw or SmackDown. It's AEW tonight. You're going to have Lana. You're going to have John Morrison. It's going to be a heavy hit in AEW. Um, Update on Joey Janellis, his boot caught on fire at a recent house show, and uh, he was deemed a dumbass by many for that. And then pretty much the last one, AEW has a new stage for tonight, and they're set to invade G4 programming tomorrow night, and that's tonight's damn report as we Thanks. welcome on our buddy Sean O'Toole. Sean, how are we doing? Uh, real quick comment, uh, Tones, on the couple of things you said there. Uh, everything is spot on. And John Johnny Elite, formerly known as John Morrison, actually had a match two weeks ago in the Owen tournament and lost to Samoa Joe. So he is oh he was Owen one, but I'm looking forward to see where his character goes from there as he moves on um, with his name change as well. But before we get into anything else, Sean, it's been a while. It's been since football season. I, I like how you've been active, uh, you know, communicating with Cleve and me. We love it. Uh, I did not know uh, how much of a wrestling fan you were. So besides saying what the heck's up, where'd this wrestling background come from? Because I'd love to know uh, when we get more wrestling friends on our side. That's for sure. Probably the oldest person you'll ever have on this show. (laughs) Uh, I will be 45 next month. We had one out there, so you're fine. So (laughs) I I go back to Saturday morning... You know, Hulk Hogan, Andre the Giant stuff. Um, loved, you know, Bret Hart's my favorite wrestler of all time. Uh, Love the Ultimate Warrior. Like, anytime I pop on Peacock to watch old stuff, it's like, it's old stuff, Jack. Like, at least a couple times a year, I queue up the Undertaker-Jake Roberts match from Indianapolis at WrestleMania 8. Because wow. I just, I, I, I get down with that match so hard. That match is everything I ever wanted in a wrestling match that's under 10 minutes. But... I was also, for about two and a half years, it's incongruent to say I was a pro wrestler, but I did indies for about two and a half years. No way! Right at the turn of the century, I was trained by Primetime Brian Lee right here in Laverne, Tennessee. Mm. I don't know if that's a name you remember. Um, But, you know, when when people are like, really? You wrestled? Because, you know, I'm 45 now. I'm (laughs) dad. But, you know, as the Billy Joel song goes, when I wore a younger man's clothes, uh, I, I... I did it for about two years. I did it just long enough to get very seriously hurt and realize that, uh, you know, I'd done it long enough to say I did it and that I didn't really have, I didn't really have the the backbone to follow that road all the way to where I wanted to go. Cause it, I mean, it's a hard road now, but it was a hard road then because everybody was trying to get into it. Um, and everybody had a school up, everybody who had ever jerked the curtain one time in ECW had a school somewhere that would take a hundred bucks out of your pocket every two weeks to train you, um, which is what I got. And once I got enough of it, I kind of went out and booked my, you know, booked myself on local stuff to just get beat up. And, you know, like I said, uh, took one wrong suplex outside of the ring, right foot landed on my left fibula, make a wish. That was the end of it. So. Well, Hey, no, I'm, you know, I love to know backgrounds like that in here. Cause when we do our armchair stuff on the football show, it's, it's all business. It's all football. We don't have time to talk the uh, entertainment world of wrestling. But, man, that's why we got one buddy in the Indies right now. He's doing the same thing, kind of jobbing around, you know, getting a couple of W's, but mostly 
uh, Owls building up in the indie scene. So it's not an easy road. Uh, back then, today, you know, it's a, not only a competitive industry, but I would definitely say it's a limited business too, especially if you want to hit the TV screens one day, even though we have a few more companies now. There's just so many wrestlers that don't even get the TV time with all the outlets uh, that are out there. So, you know, I know you've been interacting a little with us. Right now, we were just recapping AEW Double or Nothing. I don't know if you had a chance to see the pay-per-view or not. Um, we, we were just on the MJF topic. If you want to make a comment on that, feel free. But overall, totality of it, something you really stuck out with you. What were your thoughts on AEW Double or Nothing? Yeah, not only did I watch it, uh, despite Bleacher Report's best attempts to make me throw my phone directly through the back of my television. Brutal. Uh, I was I was eventually able to uh, give them money, which is not a thing a, a you know a company should have a hard time wanting to wanting to absorb. And I did watch it. I watched every match. Um, I've got some hot takes. I've got some cold takes. Like one of my favorite matches on the card, which was not one I was really that interested in, because I didn't love the build. But the, the Thunder Rosa-Serena D match, and I shouldn't be surprised because Serena is such a professional, and I, I can't think of a lot of matches she's ever had over five minutes that have been bad. Um, but that match really stood out as much better than I expected. Um, I, I kind of didn't go crazy for the House of Black Death Triangle thing because I called it, I, I called it on the pre-show. You know, a friend of mine came over that watches pretty sporadically, and he's like, what's the finish? I'm like, Julia Hart's going to spray somebody in the face. I, I, I could have called, called it 10 weeks ago because they, you know, Tony loves to build stuff slowly. Like, for as, for as much as I rag on Vince um, about he ain't had a good idea since Shawn Michaels was, you know, 22 years old, you know, Tony's the exact opposite. Like, he will string something out so long. And you mentioned the MJF Wardlow, like, I popped for it. It was great. It was everything it needed to be. It also needed to be like three months ago because he was as hot as he was ever going to be when they first started messing with it three months ago. And they just, you know, I, I think he gets in this mode of not wanting to give things away for free on Dynamite, right? They don't do title changes very often on Dynamite. The only one I can think of is uh, Jurassic Express going over the Lucha Bros for the tag titles. Um he seems to just want to spend a lot of time getting a pay-per-view. So I understand that if your business model is you only have four of them a year. And I mean, we're getting five this year with forbidden door. You kind of want to pay things off when, when people are plopping down 50 bucks, like, you know, oh, yeah. listen, I work in supply chain management in real life in my everyday job. Trust me, business and economics dynamics are very familiar to me, but sometimes I think he, he spreads the butter just way too thin on the toast trying to get to those pay-per-views. I don't know if you guys feel the same way. Well, and really quickly, I want to get Tone's comment on that. And then Cleve, I want you just to give something from the pay-per-view. But, um, you know, I thought it is, they do only have the now four to five pay-per-views that are going on. So I could see kind of why they do that. But he definitely does uh, dra drag things out a little bit, whereas Vince will just make something explode in a heartbeat. Uh, that being said, you know, I did – the Thunder Rosa, man, the way she won that championship for Brett Baker was uh, phenomenal. And then, like you said, to follow it up in a match where it wasn't too high on people's list. Like, I wasn't a huge fan of the Jay Cargo match. I thought there was a lot of botches by her opponent um, in that one. But, uh, 
you know, AEW, they have only a few opportunities, whereas WWE goes once a month. I'm interested to see now what they do with CM Punk tonight, the title picture, MJF, on their tones, any comment on what uh, Sean was talking about. Yeah, he's pretty much right on it all, and AEW still has kind of that old-school wrestling approach where they only have a handful of pay-per-views a year. They're only doing their biggest pay-per-views in venues that hold fourteen or 15,000 in attendance, and they, they do try and save their biggest performances for those that you know are paid for and whatnot, which on one side of the coin is understandable. But yet again, when you have a floundering Friday night show that could use viewership, you might want to spice that up a little bit with some excitement here and there. And uh, what adds excitement? Championship matches always do that. Matches with, uh, you know, stipulations do that. And you just don't get too much of those on regular. Or bringing back surprise entrance. Right. Because who, uh, who did we get on Sunday, surprise-wise, Mr. We Dan? Got the manager, we got the manager who just came over from NXT. Um, Sean probably knows his name. If... Stokely Hathaway. There we go. That's his real name, baby. Stokely and then, Hathaway. I, I actually like that character a lot. So we got Stokely Hathaway back. We got a handful of others. Uh, Ember Moon. Andrade brought someone back. You know, so, you know, they did bring some people back. But I, I'm just interested to see where tonight lands on uh, the footprint because uh, they should have a good show tonight because it's trying to keep interest going after one of their biggest pay-per-views of the year. Yeah, and as I, like I said, we got the news that MJF is starting the show, so everyone's going to have their eyes on that as he's been in the news a lot lately. Cleve, you've been uh, dusting the win ever since the beginning. I forgot to bring you in on a double or nothing topic. I know you had something you wanted to get off your chest. What do you got for us? Um, I think probably my most interesting thing was CM Punk winning the AEW World's Heavyweight Champion. I think a lot of people agreed it was time. The Adam Hangman run was just not going anywhere. Uh, but also seeing a lot of critics on Twitter about it, about CM Punk winning, you know, because um, I think it was one. Because a lot of people probably don't like that at the same time. We didn't really like the Hangman page. We were talking how that was kind of getting a little dry. I don't know. It's just I, he's a great wrestler, but something about doesn't pop as much as other people do. But then again, CM Punk, people could say, too, what the heck? This guy, you know, just got brought back in and all of a sudden he's top of the mountain when plenty of other stars may deserve it right that's a hundred percent i'm looking at all the guys that have held the aw champion and only one of these guys i think a lot of people didn't know before he showed up on the scene and that was adam hang uh, hang with adam page we all know who C- jericho was from wwe johnny mox and dean ambrose cm punk and kenny omega was big overseas but my knock on AEW is that they came out saying, you know, they're going to push these new stars, these young stars. And at the end of the day, four of the five guys that have held the champion just been established other places. So who are you really pushing? Are you pushing the older guys because, you know, they actually sell tickets, which would impact did years ago. You can push all the young guys you want, but if no one knows them then, you know, not that many people are going to come support him. But they know who Chris Jericho is. They know who CM Punk is. They know who Dean Ambrose is. No I one knew Kenny Omega, though. Oh, no they one knew did. Kenny Omega. If, but he was huge overseas, though. I know, but it's a coin flip. Wrestling fans okay, in America, a, most wrestling okay. fans over here don't follow wrestling overseas. Okay, so AEW right. had a huge part in Kenny Omega's growth. So okay, I'll argue I that one. I won't fully count Kenny Omega, but I just think it's a bit hypocrite that, you know, you push that we're pushing the young guys and 
it seems like all the new older guys from other places are just coming straight to the front of the line. And that may be what's also making MJF mad too, seeing other guys from other companies come over and take his spot. It's just my knock on it. And CM Punk's low-key kind of a hypocrite too. So there's that right there. All right, Sean, you have any comment on that? Should we go on to the next one? You know, I I didn't love it. Um, I understand the arguments against Hangman Page. I I did. I was a fan of his work in Ring of Honor and New Japan, where he was basically just like an upper mid card guy and kind of like kind of like a stable dude in the Bullet Club. Like at one point, he was doing tags with Cody Hall. Google that. That's Scott Hall's son, who I think stopped wrestling a while back. So, you know, he was somebody that I knew, but I'm not the casual viewer, right? None of us are the casual viewer, right? Right. I'm going to pop for everybody that shows up at Forbidden Door. I'm going to tell you right now, if I hear the coin drop and Okada comes out, I'm going to need oxygen, bro. They're going to call 911 because I've been waiting to see him in the U.S. forever. It, it's in our hometown. We might have to, Tony. Let you know if U.S. fans get a look at the Rainmaker, like it, it's going to blow their mind because he's that good. And Tana and Naito, like just people they haven't seen before. So, but we're not the consumer that your world champion has to be. And I agree with Cleve on that end. Like, it's not hypocritical. You're running a business, and at the end of the day, your world champion has to be someone that any geek on the street that watches wrestling once a month recognizes as much as I love hangman, he ain't that. And my argument against them ever putting the title on, on a one Oh, one Oh two point five lives inaugural champion, Adam Cole, who needs a chicken breast and 20 ounces of muscle. <laughs> was the same argument is you cannot put a world title. It works once a generation. It worked on Daniel Bryan. It works like once in every blue moon that you can put it on an undersized guy. But you're putting it on a dude that that barely weighs more than my 15 year old son, and <laughs> that's not that's not getting it done. I mean, I'm just I'm making the point. No, I yeah. always bag on Adam Cole. I, I do think he's great in a lot of ways, but a world champion of the flagship brand, he is not and should never be. Just my opinion. Yeah, I, I, and hey, one thing real quick before we go on to another topic because I don't know how long we have uh, most of you goons here. I'm glad came on because it has been a lot of fun at this point. Is that uh, you know at the end of the day, CM Punk is going to sell shirts. He's going to he's everyone's going to be tuned in. Look at Roman Reigns. So very few people. Some do make the argument of it's been a little redundant. He's been on too long. But no, whenever he's on SmackDown, the ratings are much higher. Uh, he just makes whether you love him or hate him, people are watching. Uh, you know that empire built with Paul Heyman, the we the ones, the crowd, all, they all raise their hands. That has been something that built. Kenny Omega built something in AEW when he had his stable and championship. And now CM Punk, you're probably going to see the same thing. I can't imagine them taking that off too soon, but that's for another argument. Um, you know, I don't know how much longer you guys, you guys want to break into some, into some Hell in a Cell predictions or keep talking AEW, WWE, or nothing. I don't mind either way. Sean, how much of your time do we got? I'm on your nickel, buddy. You got me till the top of the hour. I all right. In the oh, words no. of uh, Peggy Carter before she got sawed in half, spoiler alert. I all, <laughs> all right, all right. So, hey, Tones, I know you're a little limited on time because a big lightning game tonight, lightning versus Rangers. We're going to be talking about fight, and I hope we see some uh, good fisticuffs in that one. But let's just get right down to it, Mr. Tones, and let's break into the main event right away. We got a 2-0 and Cody Rhodes against Seth Rollins right now. It's going to be the main event on Sunday, which us three will be at because um, Cleve will be, jo- be uh, joining us in town. It's going to be awesome. 
Uh, we're going to be at Allstate Arena cheering for who we like. But Cody Rhodes, 2-0. He's won at Mania. He's won at Mania Backlash. And now Mr. Tampa Tones, he enters the Hell in a Cell, where we kind of talked about the other day. I mean, I guess Seth Rollins can get swept if he goes off TV for a while, but I find it hard for him to lose this match and lose all three, but where are you going to go with it? Yeah, it's tough to determine how's it going to lay. And, uh, you know, if Rollins does go away, it would be the perfect opportunity for him to lose right here. But at the same time, given three victories in a row to Cody Rhodes would be a little excessive to me against a guy like Seth Rollins especially. So I think it almost has to be Seth Rollins if uh, WWE is smart, um, having him lose three in a row against Cody Rhodes not only makes Seth look bad, but it probably would rub some viewers the wrong way that they're pushing Cody Rhodes too much for a guy who just came over to the WWE, like Cleve said, with the AEW token. Well, now you got Cody Rhodes coming here. You don't want to push him too hard. You don't want to give him too many wins right away. It's the same token on both companies. So, if WWE smart, they give it to Seth Rollins in a really good match. I think it's going to be a hell of a match. Oh, yeah. Him, but I think um, Seth Rollins has to win. And maybe he could still win and go away. He could come back on Monday Night Raw the next night and say he suffered injuries. Yada, yada, yada. Has to go away a bit. We'll see how the cake is sliced. But I think it's got to be Seth Rollins. Yeah. And, you know, I think we can all agree it's going to be a, our expectation is a 10 out of 10 match uh, between these two, especially in a cell. And as big a Cody Rhodes fan as I am, I do hope and think Seth is going to get the win because I he's such a main with Roman Reigns taking little breaks here and there right now. Seth Rollins is the main do- one of the main dogs, if not the main dog. And I don't think. Uh, a guy of his stature, you want to have him get swept. Cody Rhodes has gotten two wins, one at being at Mania, one being at Backlash after Rollins knew about him. So to me, uh, and he has a win on Raw and says a couple times, but that's not for here. I just think Cody Rhodes losing in a great match and an amazing match, there will be no steam lost uh, there, and he could still say he had the two-to-one advantage on Seth Rollins. If he does sweep, I'll be there cheering and love it because I'm going to be rocking his shirt. But at the same time, I do think it just makes sense for Seth Rollins to pick up a victory. But then again, uh, this is a coin flick to me. Uh, Sean, then Cleveland, I knew your predictions of this match. I would be very surprised if Cody went over. Um, it's not lost on someone who's followed the business his whole life that they put Cody with Seth right out of the gate. Because, I, I mean, Seth's, Seth ain't never had a bad match, ever. I'm, I'm sorry. Go back, you know, check with your mothers, consult Google if you wish. <laughs> but nobody's ever, ever had a bad match with Seth Rollins all the way back to when he was calling himself Tyler Black in Ring of Honor. Dude has never had a bad match. It's not a coincidence. You know, Cody coming in the way he did with the arrangement that he did, you know, Seth was chosen for this for a reason. And however they get Cody to the main event picture against Roman, which I think is probably the ultimate play here. And when they do it, it it's still going to involve in some way, shape or form Seth either now or down the road. So I, I'd be shocked if Cody sweeps. Yeah. And with money in the bank coming, who knows who's going to win that, but that will always play a factor as well, um, which we could talk some of that. I, they, well, we did already on the show that week ago. Um, but how they're moving it to MGM because to me, duh, why would you sell out Raiders' new huge stadium for a non-mania or SummerSlam that never made sense to begin with? Uh, that's when Vince's eyes get a little too big, though. Uh, Cleveland, 
prediction on the main event? I think we can all agree. I think we're on the same page here. Seth does not get swept. I think he's too much of an importance to WWE, especially with part-time Roman at the moment. Um, Seth is one of the few guys, along with, I think, like Kevin Owens, Bobby Lashley, Drew McIntyre, who really doesn't need the belt to stay relevant. Um, Sean made a great point about it. Seth Rollins is arguably probably the best wrestler in WWE at the moment. He doesn't put on bad matches. He actually... Sometimes he actually carries people through the matches because he's been in a couple tough matches where he had to do a lot of heavy lifting. But this would be a bad look to let Seth go three and zero. I think his character right now is too important to take the loss. Cody can afford a loss. He's been on a hot streak at the moment. Maybe the Miz plays a point. I know they had something last week, but you know something happens. But I think the best move is Seth goes over. Yeah, and we'll see. Maybe there's some type of, you never know, interference or anything that is possible. I feel like in these smaller WWE pay-per-views, they usually do a little twist on it because you don't get your eight, nine, ten matches. You get about five, six, or seven. So hopefully something happens there. Uh, Tones, I know you got to get going in a few minutes, so I'm going to run down the matches. You give us your answers and maybe a little surprise or final tidbit before you get out of here, and then me, Sean, and Cleve will wrap up ours. Uh Let's go with the triple threat between the women, Becky, Bianca, and Asuka. Who comes out Women's Raw champion? Uh, Bianca. Okay, and moving on to the next one, we're going to do some rapid fire. Austin Theory, this match just happened Monday. Will be Finally, the United States title is getting a showing on a pay-per-view versus Mustafa Ali. Who takes it home? Uh, I just don't know if uh, Mustafa's got it in him. I, I know that his character's kind of been up i know that they're trying to make him happy right now or whatnot and i would like if um mustafa ali did win because he is from chicago so it, it, it's a tough call it, it really is but I, man i don't know if wwe is going to go back to mustafa ali here uh i i i'm just going to pick him because he's from our hometown though and i think that he's been crying for a while and they want to make him happy so i'll roll with mustafa let's roll with the okay home. hometown hero he did say that I, th- I think that's why they also put him in this storyline you know he's in chicago uh hometown he's been upset it's a perfect time to give him the belt perfect storm although it'd be a short run for theory two on one handicap omos and mvp versus lashley lashley threw omos through a table on monday night does he continue that dominance into sunday Although I do feel like they're, tra- on a side note, I feel like they're trying to bump uh, Theory up the ladder a little bit. So it would be a short run, but, you know, they're trying to push him hard. Um, Omos, Lashley, that's that's a tough one. And MVP involved, too. I just feel like Omos and MVP are too much to overcome for Lashley. Unless we get some foul play, I can't see him winning. Okay, and I know this is your favorite superstar. Uh, we're going to get Kevin Owens versus... I don't. I we still don't know to this day if it's Ezekiel or Elias. <laughs> what do you? You know, come on. Who are you going with? <laughs> Definitely not the fake guy with two names or something. I mean, WWE will probably make Kevin Owens lose because they always do for some reason. But I'm going with Kevin Owens. I don't think this Elias Ezekiel guy, who by the way, he has one Wikipedia page. Um, I don't think that guy's winning. So I'm going with Kevin Owens. I, I want, Ezekiel, we believe in you. Uh, and then the last one, the three on three, uh, you get Judgment Day stable of Rhea Ripley, Damian Priest, and Edge 
versus AJ Styles, Finn Balor, Liv Morgan. A two-part question. Who wins, and do you see maybe an added character to one of these teams throughout that this night or the match? All I'm saying is if uh, they go down that road with Ezekiel, he might end up in Nikki Ash's boots real quick um, on his way <laughs> out of the company within the next 12 months on a uh, one-way ticket to nowhere. But uh, in this three-on-three, three, I'm – I'm going to roll with Edge, Damian Priest, and Rhea Ripley right now. I feel like, you know, they're going to be the long-term stable that probably sticks around, and it seems like they're trying to build some momentum behind them in terms of anyone getting added, perhaps. I feel like they have to do something with Tommaso Ciampa. He's kind of stuck in no man's land right now. He's a heck of a wrestler. He's a heck of a character. I Um, agree. I, I really hope he's not turning into one of those guys that gets called up by WWE and just vanishes into the night because that would be a shame so to me it would be smart to incorporate him with a guy like edge and because let's be honest damian priest and Rhea ripley were both about to be in that no man's land territory themselves and they stuck him with edge so i think they could do the same with tomaso champa because we've seen it time and time again ec3 off the top of my head a guy like ricochet who's been bumped down the ladder um there's been so many guys who just get brought up and they're either um, not important characters enter their release. So I think that Tommaso Ciampa's time is now rather than never. I think it's time for him to join Edge, Damian Priest, and Ray Ripley. Yeah, like Apollo Crews, I saw him chasing the 24-7 title. I'm like, damn, you fell fast from a couple manias ago. Um, Man, they punish him like that for attending on Johnny's <laughs> yeah. But uh, a lot of people uh, did in that one. But uh, hey, uh, thanks for joining us with the time you have. Any final thoughts before you get on out of here? Yeah, it was a blast having uh, Sean O'Toole join us. He's a Absolutely. great friend of the shows. Um, it, it, Sean, I hope your road trip went well this weekend. I've seen you make some moves with your son. Hopefully those baseball games went good or whatnot. Um, hopefully it was a good time. Cleve, until uh, the weekend, my friend, happy birthday once again, brother. Um, you know, still your Cowboys are trash. Um, you could use some some AEW sharpening up on I ain't gonna lie your knowledge is a little dull for AEW Um, it it, it gives Cleve and me a bad look damn uh, thanks for having me fellas I do appreciate it it's always a good time Um, you know I I am upset there is only one Hell in a Cell match and the pay-per-view name is Hell in a Cell you might as well not name it Hell in a Cell but I'm very much looking forward so to being at Hell in a Cell well, thank you, Mr. Tampa Towns. Peace out. And there we go, boys. We're down to three just like <laughs> just like that. As he, as he has not left the room yet. I always hate when he does this because I could see him, but he's not in here. Um, but moving along, okay, we just heard his predictions. I want to go with something a little different route. Sean, I want to go with a match you had a complete 100% disagreement with Tones on. Uh, and if you want, I could run back through his answers for you real quick. And, Cleve, you be listening, too. I'll do it real quick. He picked Bianca Belair in the triple threat. He picked Mustafa Ali in the United States. He picked Kevin Owens. He picked uh, Rhea Ripley, Damian Priest, and Edge. And then Bobby Lashley. So who do you guys got? As an opposite to him. I want one where you go, hell no, he's wrong. I'll go first really quick. I mean, mm-hmm. the one that the one that sticks out to me um, is there's no way Mustafa Ali is going over, man. <laughs> no. if, if, this is, if this is your first week watching wrestling and you don't know, just YouTube the phrase wrestlers in their hometown. 
and I'm sure you will find a 12 minute video of all the times that people when in their hometown have had to get beat up, kiss Mr. McMahon's, you know, bare backside. Just, I mean, the list goes on and on. There is no chance Mustafa Ali is going over. None. Zero, zip, zilch. I wouldn't bet the mortgage, but I'd bet something. There's no way. People I forgot who Ali out. was fighting. I didn't want to look bad. I forgot he was fighting Austin Theory. Notice how I only said Ali's name. I was like, Were you not listening to me? Jeez. No, not really, because uh, I was trying to look up the match card and whatnot. But <laughs> yeah, hey, Sean, you know, there's a first time for everything, brother. And, uh, <laughs> this, this, and Joey, I, I, I picked uh, Omos and MVP, not Lashley, by the way. Sorry. Thank you for the correction. But, yeah, Sean, I do agree with you. Um, it, you know, it's never usually a good thing in the hometown, but we're sticking strong, baby. Mustafa time, buddy. The, the day the Detroit Lions win a playoff game, I'll believe that there's a first time for everything like that. <laughs> hey, as a Lions fan, that's kind of fair That, that is gold, brother. I, I feel your pain there, my friend. No, you don't. Nobody feels much. <laughs> as a Bucks fan, I did a little bit, but yeah, not, you're, a, you're, not anymore. Those days are – sorry about you. Yeah, you're – you're crying on the smallest violin in the world with two Super Bowls. Get out of here. Yeah. All right. Well, you know what, guys? We just have to, he's gone. We're we're the judgment day. He's gone. Um, Cleveland. So Sean O'Toole went opposite on that match. Uh, man, you're bringing a lot of excitement, Sean. It's good to talk to you. Honestly, it's been a minute. Uh, Cleveland. One match, not the United States Championship, but one where you're opposite of tones. I'm going. Ezekiel picks up the win. I think um, – Wow, Ezekiel. I just think the crowd is really behind them at the moment. I'm actually becoming a big fan of him. And Kevin Owens is really making this so great. And he's going to get a payoff eventually, but I think Ezekiel gets the win. He's going to okay. get a roll-up or something, and then, yeah. KO has the – you know, he just signed the big contract, and he made the Stone Cold storyline great. He can make anything uh, turn from ashes to – you that can work with any storyline and make it work. So. He is. But, I mean, I'm sorry. I hope Kevin Owens wins him. Because here's the thing. I, I don't know where they're going to keep going with this or if Elias ever comes back or he's – Truly dead. Well, hey, let's ask that. Sean, do you think Ezekiel is Ezekiel going to be Ezekiel and just eventually get run out of the business, or is Elias going to come back sooner than later and go back to his old thing? Knowing, and I don't know Vince personally, but just forty years of having watched professional wrestling, you could tell me right now that they're going to bring a dude out in an Elias mask and do the doink the clown thing, and <laughs> I wouldn't call you a liar because there's nothing I haven't seen Vince McMahon do. Like, it's just, it's an endless stream. Of, I can't, I've forgotten ridiculous things that I can't even remember. Like, that's how many of them there have been. I, you know, I'm sure he's going to come back at some point, but, I, you know, I don't know. This, I think I'll be honest, is. guys, this, this card has so many, like, giant question marks on it. Like, you've got Lashley versus Almost, and I do call him Almost because he's almost a wrestler. <laughs> and, uh, MVP. No. and I don't. I don't. I just don't love it, man. Well, here's my here is my thing about the like WrestleMania and Backlash. A lot of people like may were making fun of that name. I actually think it makes perfect sense. It's Backlash for Mania. You create. You came off a great WrestleMania. You want to promote it more. So, what do you call the next one? WrestleMania Backlash. You got a lot of the same matches. What I don't like is if I have to make one knock on this card. Not as to the extent Sean said it, but 
I do. Th- we have too many of the repeats again for a third time. I thought they could have started fresh after Bat WrestleMania Backlash and got us more uh, freshness uh, going into this pay per view. Like Omos, and I'm not really. That's not one I'm looking forward to a lot. And they closed that out on Monday Night Raw to try to hype it. But let's be honest, I don't, it it wasn't. It's not like a main event worthy match. Uh, a couple of them that I am looking forward to the three on three. I think is going to be great. Uh, Cause you have so many good wrestlers in there from Ripley to pre, I mean, all six people are awesome there. Uh, I'm also looking forward to the triple threat between the woman, but like really KO Ezekiel, Lashley Omas, but the theory Ali, now they're two good wrestlers, but I think there's a no brainer theory wins. And then Cody and Seth, that's really what we're paying our money for is we hope to get some, you know, blood and guts truly out of Seth and Cody and that Hell in a Cell uh, match there. I'm going to comment on one opposite of him. He said he went with Omos and MVP. I'm going with Bobby Lashley. I just, uh, you know, Lashley, you, to me, he's the more bang for your buck. He's the more known name. He's been at the top before, and I think his new entrance is awesome. Uh, you know, the almighty Lashley thing works. It, it's worked in the past uh, since his comeback. I think Omos is just one of those guys that, I never want to see the championship belt on, so why do I want him to win this match? And that's I, I I don't want it to be the biggest knock ever, but I'm just simply saying I think Omos is a good like heel mid card guy where he just floats around and maybe isn't stables and does you know MVP being his mouthpiece is nice because I don't really care to hear him also speak. Um, I don't know. That just not, you know, Sean, you brought out my worst in that one, but I I, I think I agree with you. I don't, I don't I'm I think I'm over that storyline. Yeah, I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm not as plugged into WWE as I am in the AEW. I kind of keep an eye on the cards and and what's happening in general. I wanted to ask your point on that because I know you comment on both, so I couldn't really tell. I I watch WrestleMania. I watch SummerSlam. I don't know why, but Survivor Series is my kink. I I just can't quit it. Like, it's just, it's my fetish. I, I wish they would just do... And I don't know, I haven't watched it. I don't think I watched it last year. And, and the COVID year for all of us is just like a blur of, of right. happiness. So I don't remember. But I really want them to return Survivor Series to just like all four on four matches. And I don't, or five on five, whatever they want to do. Like, I don't know if they still do that or not, but it's there should not be any singles matches on Survivor Series. That was always the thing that made it unique. Just like the Royal Rumble. Like, nobody goes to the Royal Rumble. Love the, the Rumble. Rumble in Phoenix in 2019. I didn't go to see AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan. Like, I wanted to see the Rumble. Yes. You know what I'm saying? So absolutely. It, it's just one of those things. I, I, I'm, I'll probably watch this one on Sunday to kind of get back into it because I do really dig money. In hey, the- if you, you can maybe look for us. <laughs> hey, I'll keep my eyes out. Um, I'm, I'm excited for the triple threat. Um, I like all three of those those women. They're all excellent workers. For for all the things I dislike about how often the triple threat's used and how it kind of minimizes the the skills of everybody involved because you you eventually have to give somebody a, you know some kind of move on the outside to take them out so the other right. two can work for ten minutes. That's always bothered me. But the the six six person tag too has a lot of appeal because. Listen, Rhea Ripley's a star, and I feel like they're kind of getting close to letting her slip through their fingers, like, really soon, and that's that's messed up. Like, there aren't a lot of people – there aren't a lot of women wrestlers ever that look like her with her skill set and can work in the ring like she can. It's pretty much her and Charlotte Flair. Like, that's pretty much the list in the last 10 years. 
Um, and I just feel like they're letting her slip away. So sticking her with edge at least puts some heat under her seat um, and gives it gives it a little bit more potential for this Sunday. I do want to ask one AEW question of you guys before. Please do. Before, before we jam. So this was my biggest pet peeve on Sunday, and I couldn't couldn't <laughs> stop being upset about it, is – the pay-per-view had 12 matches. I believe it was 12 matches. It was it was long. I watched it all for once, Sean, and it was long. But that's not my major complaint. 12 matches is fine if you if you like have enough 7-minute matches and enough 20-minute matches like if you spread it out well enough it goes good. Okay. But here's the thing. We're putting on the main card Young Bucks and and the Hardys even though Matt Matt's out there with an alabaster hip and a back that's made out of plexiglass, and the poor man can barely take a bump anymore. We put that on the pay-per-view. I thought that match was was not good at all. Darby Allen and Kyle O'Reilly I loved, but make that the main event of Rampage. And in the meantime, the best tag team that I've seen probably in a decade and a half, FTR, is just not on the show. Just not on the show at all. And what are we doing, Tony Khan? Yeah, and hey, that you know. So speaking on that real quick, because uh, we don't have a lot of time by Cleve, and you can jump on it. But we both agreed for a while that uh, you know they're doing great things, but their business is growing a lot too. So sometimes you know Tony Khan will lose some sight of people because you have a lot of uh, you know people to deal with now. Unlike the beginning of the AEW industry, where it was obviously uh, at a smaller rate, now it's growing into a you know two shows, even though Rampage isn't doing. Um, so well on Friday nights, but I mean, Dynamite is doing Dynamite, no pun intended. It, it's, it's a really, uh, Dynamite! It's a really, uh, it, it's a fun show to watch. I, I don't know, Cleveland, if you had anything to add before I bounce back to Sean with a couple questions myself. As AEW's on right now, and I'm dying to see what MJF eventually said, but Cleve, thoughts on what he was saying? No, I think, uh, I thought you was going to mention the number of tag team matches they had. I know me and Joe mentioned that last episode. I think it was just too many tag team matches but uh i can't believe you think uh ftr you think that highly of ftr i think uh i just can never see the real excitement behind the guys they have a cool finisher the i think it's called the shatter machine or something that's a pretty unique finisher but i just never saw them as like this great tag team I, well, I think here's the difference. People based off their character, they have great in-ring moves, but they're like it depends if you like their personalities or not really. I think that's what it more co- probably uh, comes down to when it comes to them. Uh, that triple threat tag team was awesome, though. But like Keith Lee, and he should probably be on a singles run right now. Ah, but that's for another story. Sean, my AEW question for you is a CM Punk. He wins the title. Uh, where do you think the first is Hangman Page getting, a, you think, a, a quick rebound opportunity? And maybe MJF flows back. What do you think happens with CM Punk in the near future? I think for as much as AEW fans like to pretend that Tony Khan isn't trying to puppet Vince's you know, blueprint and everything, he does have some telltale signs of, of learning from you know what he knows and learning from old school WCW particularly, which is something he's spoken about at length as having been very fond of. And the thing in WCW was always, unless the title was being hot shotted off because of an injury. And in the case of Kenny, he had been hurt for a while. It, that was, I think that was planned for a long time. And Kenny mm-hmm. just got hurt along the way. It's pretty normal for him to do like a two piece or a trilogy of matches, right? Like Cole got three bites at the apple, right? 
and and Hangman faced, you know, kind of faced Archer in a one-off. Um, but that was kind of just like the mid card guys sometimes get that right? um, mid-card yeah. guys that are kind of doing a little something, something, get a shot here and there. I think they're going to go back to hangman at least one more time. And I agree. Move on to something else. I don't know what the, the, the one thing I'm fascinated by is I don't know what the something else is going to be because MJF is, you know, depending on how much of the dirt sheets you believe, I don't know whether he's coming or going and he's kind of, you know, he's been he's been taking the dive for a lot of people the last three to four months. Like, Could Moxley? Maybe Moxley? See, my, my thought was Brian was just in the picture. Mox was just in the picture. I almost wonder if they move off Hangman quickly, if they're going to let Punk work somebody young because that's his thing. If Maybe. it's going to be a Darby or a Daniel Garcia, like somebody we wouldn't expect, you know, getting some kind of a run, even if it's just – you know, one main event on a dynamite like we saw Hangman defend against right. Dante Dante Martin, a guy I really like. I do too. When when they put it out there, I was like, you know, he's he's a good high flyer, but I didn't really see him. But that's an L threat. Yeah, that's an yeah. L. Uh, well, let me can I get a quick question to Sean? Because I know you mentioned Brad Hart was one of your favorite wrestlers growing up. Favorite of all sort time. Of like a, I'm sort of like a wrestling guy. I kind of like watching the old matches. And I want, what was your reaction when you first saw the Montreal Screwjob back in 97? I was pissed because those were not, those were my two favorite wrestlers, right? Like before, before Daniel Bryan, and, you know, close your ears, children. Like <laughs> the three, the only three guys ever that made me think in my early 20s I could be a wrestler were Bret Hart. Shawn Michaels and, and Chris Benoit because they were all like right around six foot, right? And and even Brett, I've met Brett twice. He he ain't six foot. They listed him at six two, which is a joke because I'm five nine and a half, and he won an inch and a half taller than me, barely, <laughs> right? Meeting Brett twice. Shawn maybe a little bit taller, but didn't look that much taller, right? Those were the guys that made me think I could do it because I couldn't be Hulk Hogan. Like I mean, my dad was five eight, one eighty five. Like I, I didn't have a chance. I was <laughs> Hulk Hogan or the Ultimate Warrior. So I was, uh, I was furious about the screw job when it happened. Like looking back on it now, twenty five years later, I actually, of all the people you wouldn't think I would give props to, I give props to Vince because that took some onions, son. I mean, that took grapes of the maximum quality. That's the kind of thing that like. I mean, you've heard the stories if you've listened to enough podcasts. Like, Taker was pissed. Taker was looking for Sean everywhere, trying to beat him up. Mick Foley wanted to walk out. Like, old school old school people, some old school people went to the grave hating Vince's guts for doing that. That takes, you know, not to go all Bill Raftery, but onions! That takes <laughs> onions! That takes onions to do something like that. Like, that's your whole, you know, you don't have a business without wrestlers and and if a bunch of people walk out of the locker room and are never going to come back and vince calculated correctly he was like look i'm always going to be the place to work and i'm always going to be able to offer more money than everybody else and he knew he was he knew he was going to be able to outlast bischoff in in the end absolutely you know at the time i don't think he knew and and the reporting's pretty accurate on that that there were nights where you know they had to they had to you know borrow out of reserves to pay people to pay event staff and stuff like that like it got dicey for a while during those 83 weeks that WCW was trashing him. But Vince always had the confidence that, that he could outlast him. And my favorite storyteller about that whole period is Kevin Nash. Because Nash, dude, tells a story like nobody else. It's like listening to Paul Harvey. It's just, it's music to my ears. So anybody wants to go on a long, deep dive of, of stuff, 
during the 83 week breakdown, just listen to Kevin Nash. Any Kevin Nash interview is just priceless. Well, heck, since Cleve, you made it two in a row, we'll go for three and then just do rapid fire and get out of here of the final predictions. Um, you know, AEW now, you know, has been very successful dynamite wise. Rampage kind of depends. I think they chose a questionable time slot to do it, and that's why that kind of struggles in my eyes. But Dynamite's been really holding strong. AEW keeps growing. Do you ever see the WWE and AEW? We have a forbidden paper or forbidden door pay per view in Chicago in June. And that no, that's not with WWE. That is with uh, New Japan and AEW. As now, I got to consider getting tickets to that. We're going to Hell in a Cell this Sunday. It's so close, so it's going to be tough. Um, do you see the WWE AEW forbidden door ever truly being broken? What I mean by that is not just yeah, Cody Rhodes came back, but more of you know, the crossover of shows where you feel like you're almost in those ECW days. He's shaking his head now, so I think he doesn't even need to comment further than that. And uh, we always throw that one up, and it's mostly ends. And, you know, to me, that only happens if all of wrestling is struggling. Like, all the companies and WWE and AEW are even almost, like, on the edge of folding. Maybe to try some at the end, I could see them maybe working together. But outside of that, no chance Vince's ego and uh, Tony Khan's. You know, he says some goofy things. I'm all for his uh, funniness, but, like, he just said some straight up blatant lies after AEW though about like to me like and just making me laugh on Friday Night Wars and stuff. I thought he was just going and CM Punk was even sitting there like shaking his head, kind of wanting to laugh, but Tony Khan just kept going off the chain. But anyway, like I mentioned in the p- beginning, I thought that was a great pay per view. Um, a couple of eh, matches here, like, but for the most part, the tag matches were phenomenal in the five on five. That Eddie Kingston, if you haven't seen, just. Looking up Eddie Kingston, bloody, and you will see what you should see on Halloween. It was that uh, nasty of a scene. Just if you want to see a gory character on Halloween, you want to dress up as somebody, take a picture of this guy, and believe me, you will scare some people on that uh, holiday. As he was all messed up, it looked like it, whether it was acting or not, I couldn't tell what was you know how much he was really getting into that, but he just looked like he was all bad out of hell there. Um, but let's let's get to rapid fire here. And just close it out. Who do we think's uh, winning the three-on-three between Ripley, uh, Priest, and Edge versus... Does anybody think Styles, Finn Balor, and Morgan are winning this, uh, I should say? Nah. I I can't see it unless there's... Unless they flip the script and do shenanigans with with a babyface joining Styles' stable, but I don't see it. Judgment Judgment Day's got a lot of heat right now. So. Yeah, and I, I agree. The uh, That's a good point. The only way to me it does switch over is if uh, they added somebody to that side, which I think the next move comes on the Judgment Day, so I think we can all agree there. Uh, Tones chose Bianca Belair. Or is anybody... I can't see them taking it away from her so soon after the SummerSlam thing. Can anybody else see Bianca losing? Nope. Can't do it two years in a row. They already played that card last year. Yeah, and which is, hey, if it's a one and done, that's fine because it shows how she built back up and got the title. I, I see the long tor- the long term storytelling uh, there between Becky Lynch and Bianca, so I'm fine with that. But don't have her lose; that'd be embarrassing. Uh, we all agree on theory that no chance he loses there. Uh, I gave the Lashley win. Do you guys? Who are you guys going with? Tones, Omos, and MVP, or me with the Lashley? 
I got MVP in Omar. So I think Cedric and most likely showing the end of fear. And I think ah. I just don't think Bobby have a chance. Yeah, as as much as it pains me, it's gonna be almost in T'Challa's uncle going over Bobby Lashley. I, I, uh, I don't see any reason. I don't see any reason to put Lashley over, but you know, they they've already kind of pushed his heat about as far as it can go when they did uh hurt business, you know, last year and gave him the title. Which if they they could have kept that going longer, but Vince, you know, he always gets antsy. Um, but hey, that being said, you know, we covered a lot of double or nothing. We covered Hell in a Cell, which Cleve can't wait to see you Friday. We'll enjoy the weekend. Sean, I was very, uh, you know, I loved hearing about the background. We'd love to have you on again and pick more of your brain on the old days. Maybe we need to set up an episode in the future where we, we have a guest who's in his 50s, I believe, that we'd also like to bring on and just talk back in the day as Cleveland you know, my era is I, I, I'm a brainiac kind of from 2005 on. Cleve's kind of more in the 95 to 05 range. And then we have a few guys with history going back all the way to the 70s and it's 60s. And it's awesome. So thanks again for everything, man. And we really appreciate you coming on. It was great talking to you. Thanks for having me, guys. Love the pod. Come back on anytime. Thank you, man. And that's Sean O'Toole, a great guest with Armchair Quarterbacks, and he does it. Cleve, we've had a long episode, man. I appreciate you sticking through. I, I said it twi- two times. One, I'm going to say it a third time. Cannot wait for this weekend, bro. Cannot. Thank you to all our listeners, and I will see you Friday, Joe. See you Friday, my man. You enjoy a good night now. Thank you to all and to 